An anti-terror bill is being rushed through Parliament as the fighting involving Islamic State in Syria and Iraq continues. This Radio New Zealand Insight edition has been exploring how Muslim communities in New Zealand are being affected by such actions. Uh, the Kurdish fighters retreated this week after ISIS seized more towns. That strike took place near the end of a four-hour aerial assault which began with cruise missiles. A Kurdish aid flight today had to fight off an attack by ISIS before managing to rescue a handful of Yazidi families. Reports of the conflict in the Syrian border town of Kobani between the Kurdish population and Islamic State fighters have been making headlines for more than a month. They follow earlier coverage of attacks on the minority Iraqi Yazidis and a growing toll of captured Westerners being beheaded. Muslim leaders here say the image of their faith is being tainted by those who distort the teachings they follow. I'm Philippa Tolley, and Insight This Week explores the impact the focus on Islamic State is having on Muslim New Zealanders. As in other Western countries, ISIL has been successful in recruiting New Zealanders to its cause. Government agencies have a watch list of between 30 and 40 people of concern in the foreign fighter category. There is no doubt that the operational situation in New Zealand has changed over the last... Well, it, I mean, it was, it was just beginning to change when I came into the role, but it really has ramped up um, in the last six months. And, you know, the influence that ISIL has through social media, through the internet, um, through very sophisticated um, PR machine of speaking to some small percentage of disaffected New Zealanders is real. That's a threat facing New Zealand set out by the Prime Minister John Key to Parliament last month and is outlined by the Director of Security Intelligence Service, Rebecca Kitteridge. I came to New Zealand in 1982 as a young 20-year-old who was admitted to do a master's degree at the University of Waikato. So that was the beginning of, of my association with this beautiful country. Anwar Ghani is the president of the Federation of Islamic Associations in New Zealand. He came to New Zealand from Uttar Pradesh, the northern Indian state that is home to the Taj Mahal and where some of his siblings still live. Three brothers have joined him here and others work in Saudi Arabia. Dr Ghani's family story is not uncommon in these days of increasing globalisation. That family movement around the world is reflected in the diversity of the Muslim community in New Zealand. We have got nearly 70 different nationalities and uh, those who have made a choice to make New Zealand as their home. And so we have a very diverse community. Uh, a lot of them, they came here, Muslim New Zealanders now, they, they came from Fiji, even the Fiji Kuwas. So we have got population from all from Africa, Middle East, to South Asian countries, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and, and even from, from European countries as well. It's a kaleidoscope of, of, of nationalities. Edwina Pio is the first professor of diversity in New Zealand, and she too speaks of the contrast within a community that is spoken of under one label, Muslim. To club them together as one group is quite complicated and perhaps doesn't really represent how Muslims truly are. So there could be cultural, ideological, ethnic 
political, country and religious effects. And if I say religious effects, we have Shias, Sunnis, Sufis, Wahhabis, etc. So there is a tremendous heterogeneity. And adding to that is the uh, cultural and political interpretation for these different uh, adherents of the Muslim faith. Professor Pio, who works at the Auckland University of Technology, believes Islam's emphasis on peace is not well understood. A lot of people tend to believe that Islam is linked with patriarchy, with intolerance, with anti-Western jihadi actions. And actually the word jihad really means to strive to make an effort and really to make an effort to cleanse oneself of impurities that one has within oneself. Later on the interpretation became that okay it, it is uh, against other people but Muslims do not believe in killing others. The AUT academic published a book earlier this year entitled Work and Worship. It found local employers were wary of hiring Muslims and said women with veils were viewed with curiosity and avoided. It was also difficult when it came to employment for Muslim men with beards. Edwina Pio found that acceptance of Muslims and their way of living still needs work. To help improve that relationship with the wider community and give confidence to Muslim women in and around Hamilton were among the reasons the group Women's Organisation of the Waikato Muslim Association was founded. Alia Densizen moved here from the United States and teaches Spanish at a Hamilton high school. She says the local community includes many families who came to New Zealand as refugees and there was a need to support young women. Her initial focus was on Muslim female youth and ensuring that they felt connected to New Zealand and that they um, felt connected to each other, that they had a place here. We've had quite a bit of success. We have over 95% of our youth continue on to tertiary education and they're feeling really confident with who they are and they really do love New Zealand. The only difficulty that we've been having is um, getting them jobs. We don't know why for sure, but we know that it's extremely difficult even with high academic qualifications for our Muslim female youth to, to get jobs, let alone interviews. And so we've lost a lot of them to Australia. In her book, Professor Pio says the increasing diversity of New Zealand society means employers need to find a way to understand and accommodate their employees' beliefs and practices. But not all of the country's Muslims have families with their roots overseas. I was kind of on a search like everyone else was and found the one that I love the most and have been practising ever since. Musa Tokuri works in Hamilton and has strong links to his iwi tainui and is keen for the general population to understand that for the most part Muslims live lives like other New Zealanders. He embraced Islam just before 9-11 when four passenger planes were hijacked by Islamic terrorists to be flown into buildings in suicide attacks. Musa Tokuri says living through the scrutiny and pressure of that time made him stronger. To be also to be a voice for the larger community working alongside other Māori groups and, and just explaining. We're going to Taiwananga. We have our Islamic Awareness Week, which we've been holding since all those days, and we still continue. But since the uh, latest suspicions, I suppose, on uh, misconceptions of Islam and that we all get branded into one, anti-West is totally wrong. I'm from the West. I'm just like everyone else. I have a job. I have responsibilities with my whānau and my wider whānau. 
Anwar Ghani believes events such as the invasion of Iraq in 2003 and the conflict that followed the ousting of Saddam Hussein have eroded trust between the West and Muslim communities. But he says the federation he heads represents the majority of Muslims in New Zealand and the organisation has been clear in its view on the activities of ISIS. There's a debate within the Muslim community. Um, people talk about bad and ugly and or support or whatever. And we have also noticed and we found out that there are people who do discuss those type of issues and some of them they go into cyberspace and express their and their anger or anxiety and so on and so forth. Uh, however, that the view from the Federation and the Muslims majority in New Zealand has been that will again it's none of our business. It's what is happening is happening there. Islands and the scholars and the people, they have come out and, and they said that this group, ISIS, is not uh, representing Islam and not working for Islam. It's one of those movements who have got whatever agendas they have got. Their method of their action is nothing to do with Islam. That They are not no longer any more Islamic than anybody else. That They are using the name of Islam to achieve whatever they want to achieve, but certainly the Muslim community here in New Zealand has rejected that wholeheartedly. But there are some, such as the head of Aotearoa Māori Muslim Association, Te Amarangi Kareka Fanga, who have posted on social media what appears to be support for Islamic State. Musa Tokuri acknowledges him as a brother in the community who is entitled to his own view, but he says it's not a view shared by the majority of Māori Muslims. He says people can share the faith, but it should not be in an attempt to steer people down the wrong path. And it's just like anyone else, a lot of them can um, convert to Christianity, and likewise with Muslims, as long as their hearts are in the right place, they're practising in the right thing, and they're not being um, um, swayed into a different direction that, that can become a threat. And we're not a gang, it's, it's, a, it's a way of life, and it's our faith, and that's who we are. It's more important. Another who emphasises the need to follow a peaceful path is a member of the Muslim Council of Auckland, Umaji Muhammad. The council represents local mosques and Islamic centres in Auckland, and Umaji Muhammad stresses how seriously local leaders take the possibility of radicalisation. As leaders of the community, we are very, very, we are very careful and, and, and make sure that uh, you know, we don't have anyone preaching. Uh, you know, violence and, and, and things which are not, you know, Islamic or with, within the, you know, the, the, within the peaceful interpretation of, of Islam. Uh, and, and we, we keep a tab on that. All, this, all the centers, the leaders of all the mosques, they keep a tab on that. And um, I don't think we've had anyone, you know, saying things uh, or interpreting, misinterpreting things. For example, I mean, ISIS, for example, you know, they, I mean, I've read some of the literature and they're basically misinterpreting Islam. Along with the local community monitoring what's being taught, he believes New Zealand's foreign policy has an important role to play. You look at Australia, for example, you look at UK and US and France, I mean, these are all countries which are involved. They, are inter they have intervened in these countries and they all have had problems. And New Zealand hasn't. I mean, you look at other countries, you look at Japan, for example, they haven't. You look at Korea, they haven't. And have you heard of any problems there? There are Muslim communities there as well, sizable Muslim community, but you haven't had any problems with them. You look at some of the Latin American countries, they're not involved. And do you have, have you had any problems? In Brazil, there are millions of Muslims. So, I mean, if you look at that and, you know, use, use that as, a law, as, as, as an argument, as a logic, 
Um, I know um, uh, if New Zealand does get involved, then obviously there will be people who will say, hold on, you're killing our people, so let's do something to you. The relatively small number of Muslim New Zealanders, less than 2% of the total population, means leaders have a better chance of knowing what's happening inside their communities. A call to prayer at the Kilburnie Mosque in Wellington. While it now accommodates up to 500 people for Friday prayers, the building's first purpose was very different, as Asif Koya, the director of the National Federation, explains. This mosque came into being in late 1990s, about 1998. It used to be the old uh, BNZ uh, depot, so we purchased it and renovated it. And um, it's been our home since, it's been the mosque since about 1998. Since then, the mosque has played host to many open days when the general public has welcomed in to ask questions and learn more about the faith. This year, 11-year-old Sarah Alzanan recited from the Quran. Sarah, how old are you, sir? 11. She is 11 year old and from Gaza. Asif Koya says at the Kilburnie Mosque there is no attempt to shut down discussion of issues such as the influence of ISIS. Within our own community in Wellington, we, um, we talk to our people all the time. We give them the message that um, things uh, that are happening overseas by people in the ISIS regime, they're not acceptable to us. They understand the message. And um, anyone who tries to show support for them. We are quite happy to talk to them, to reason with them that this is not the way to go. That acceptance of a need to be able to debate matters and create a deeper understanding between a wide variety of groups gets the backing of the AUT's Edwina Pio. Maybe politicians, our councillors and our educational institutions in particular need to be able to share positive information about Muslims because there's, it's just a small percent of Muslims who might be radical and who are very radical. Uh, but Islam does mean peace and if you look at the interpretation of that, I think as a plurireligious society that is also secular in New Zealand, we need to be able to discuss these things and not feel that these are things that not appropriate in um, over dinner table conversations or on the streets because if we don't pick up difficult issues and push them under the carpet uh, we remain stuck in our mindset. After years of holding awareness weeks and working in interfaith forums, Umaji Muhammad from the Auckland Council of Muslims fears relations with the wider society could be set back by comments from those such as the Prime Minister about possible fundraising for ISIS in this country. If it comes from the higher up it does have an effect. People will immediately say, hold on, you know, there must be something there. This is why they are saying it. And, and I think the, the stand that we have taken is that, look, if you have evidence, go ahead and arrest them. Bring them before the courts. Or, you know, but don't just make statements which sort of frightens the community or creates a ill feeling in the community. 
As the head of the national body, Anwar Ghani says he is confident that all the communities are proactive in monitoring any preaching or teaching within Islamic centres and says action was taken to stop extremist views being delivered from the pulpit at a mosque in the Auckland suburb of Avondale. But he acknowledges some people may be drawn to conflict areas. There may be people who might have aspirations to go and, and join war. and It's not only in this war. People New Zealanders have gone and fought wars, a lot of other wars, whether they were sanctioned or non-sanctioned. And uh, there may be some who, who, have, who harbour that type of feeling. You know, because they feel that, again, it comes from the intervention by the forces have not improved things and they're feeling very disillusioned. They're feeling that rather than doing any good, it's just going backward and their people are suffering and so on and so forth. There may be people who might be thinking that, well, I want to go and join in and do something about it. But not bring the fight to New Zealand? Uh, I, I hope not. And, and I, I, feel, I feel confident that that's not the intention. Federation endorsed uh, the uh, the view of the government that we rather prevent people going there so that they don't when they come back as we have seen that people who have come from Vietnam War and, and other wars not everybody finds it uh, easy to s settle back and and sometimes there have been violent behavior from from people and we don't want to have that type of things happening here in, in New Zealand. But the public statements at a political level about the possible threat from those sympathetic to the ISIS cause and the extensive media coverage of events involving Islamic State in Syria and Iraq appear to have increased discrimination against the Muslim community. In recent months, Musa Turkuri's family has been the subject of verbal assaults. But my children do face, especially the girls, um, um, threats and, and abuse hurled at them uh, by passing motorists on, on cars. Do they wear the scarf, the hijab? Yes, they do, yeah. They wear it to school. We have our own um, criteria for yeah, for school uniform, so yes, they do. What are people yelling at them? Oh, mainly, um, 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 I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, but it's, it, when it upsets them, it upsets us all. But we do, um, one of the things I do encourage them to do is that they, they have brothers that they go to school, so walk together. Um, I've advised them that one take the number plate, one look at the driver, and one look at the colour of the car. And that way, write it down and we hand it off to the police. And the police have been very um, uh, supportive and of our need and in our concerns in the community. Alia Densizen has been gathering reports of such incidents. In the last few months, it's increased significantly from verbal abuse, young girls walking down the street being shouted at by passing cars, to a woman having water thrown on her and being shouted at, to comments at work. And uh, a lot of it may be on the, the international issues that are, that are coming into Hamilton, but they're being taken out on people who have no control or no responsibility for that at all. And it tends to be Muslim women because of our dress, that we're identifiable, easily identifiable. I'm getting calls and people approaching me probably, it's, it's at least every day, that either themselves or a friend or relative has had something happen. And because it may not be a full physical attack, they don't feel like they should report it to the police, but it's the idea that you may be walking home happily from, from a day at school, and then for no reason of your, you are told to go home, you are told 
that you're horrible or that you're a killer or a murderer or to get out of here or to be careful because we're going to take care of you situations. That's one example. But there are other examples that are more subtle and they're discrimination where venues are not wanting to have Muslim events. Uh, there's one case that I'm aware of, of of a wedding that had to be shifted because the venue didn't want that. Conflict overseas is not only provoking racist behaviour here, it's also affecting families who have friends and relatives caught up in the violence. Families are calling. For example, my partner is from Africa and Nigeria and the Boko Haram are approaching into that area. And so you have relatives in need that are calling. So you have that need to assist them because they want to get out or away. You have that. There's that anxiety at home worry, concern. You have Muslims being mentioned daily in the news, and usually not in a, in a good way. And so if, a, if it's a young youth that hears that, sees their families agitated, then they come walking to school and they're shouted at. And maybe there's a comment from a classmate during the day. And then you walk home and there's another incident on the way home. There's really no safe ground to, to just be who you are in that 24-hour in that period. One victim of racial abuse is one victim too many for the police's National Strategic Ethnic Advisor, Inspector Rakesh Naidu. He says the police have been working alongside different groups within society, including Muslim New Zealanders, to provide support for years, especially at times when significant issues overseas begin to affect people living here. Any community, if they are feeling concerned about their safety or they're feeling apprehensive about even walking down the street, irrespective of whatever the issues are, I think that New Zealand as a country and New Zealanders as people, we do not tolerate that type of behaviour from anyone. And we just need to reassure them that if this, this type of behaviour is being directed at them, it's really ill-founded and it's not the views of the wider New Zealand community. So we want to provide that reassurance to them and put some good mechanisms uh, in place so that they are able to ensure that they can come forward, report it to us. Such pressures worry Dr Ghani, who wants to see a greater effort to consult and involve the community with decisions that will affect them. Our younger people, they face a lot more difficult time in getting jobs. There is obviously some discrimination, but you cannot prove it as such. What I feel is that that is where um, our call is to be involved with the government, with other agencies, to make sure that when we are dealing with whatever the policies which we want to promote, is that the young people are not disadvantaged. When these type of comments they go, they really increase the temperature, social and political temperature, that it really causes effect on the younger people. And they are the ones who will be more reactive to. Edwina Pio says many fear the comments about a possible threat from Islamic State are isolating the Muslim community and increasing the chance of alienation. I've spoken to a number of Muslims about these issues and many of them have said quite often it is the disenfranchised who are the ones who would tend to buy into those kinds of uh, radical elements and therefore there could be seeds being sown even in our country, New Zealand, which is the third most peaceful country in the world, uh, to um, uh, support these issues and therefore the need for education, therefore the need for knowledge, therefore the need for stepping out of conventional bounds because because the reality is ISIS, Boko Haram, the Taliban do exist in the world. And in a networked world where there's social media, where there are a million ways of knowing what's happening around, of course we've got to 
dare to be different. The Race Relations Commissioner, Dame Susan Devoy, believes there's a general lack of knowledge about what it means to be a Muslim and about Islam as a faith. But she says that's no excuse for hate-filled abuse. Enough of us now to actually need to stop being bystanders and say when people make comments, even if they're not directed at someone um, personally, or making com comments about Muslims generally, then we need to stand up and say, well, you know, hey, you don't know these people. Muslims are, are New Zealanders. We're all New Zealanders. They've come to live in New Zealand and contribute, and they want to live in a peaceful society. And I think we need to keep reinforcing that all of the leaders of the Muslim communities have come out and condemned ISIS. And we need to make sure that that's heard by all New Zealanders because it's not happening here in New Zealand and we don't want to encourage this, this fear any further. Community members have told Insight their view is not being sought and they do not feel consulted. Dame Susan believes it would be wise for senior officials to be engaging with those who follow the Islamic faith because they're at the centre of the current debate. And look, the Prime Minister has a responsibility to protect all New Zealanders. That's what these laws are being put in place. But I would say that, you know, the most important thing is to engage with those communities uh, that are going to be most effective. You know, I like it best described um, by people making the rules while they're sitting in the stands while the players are on the field. And um, the United Nations have really good examples of best practice that, you know, counter-terrorism is, is really important to be engaging with those communities. Don't make them feel like they're um, being marginalised even more than they are, and that's just really, really important. Asif Koya from the Wellington community says any sense of consultation has been lacking. The politicians, they really have not made any much effort to connect with us. The Federation of Islamic Associations, for example, we, um, we represent more than 80% safely. We, you know, we can say safely that we represent more than 80-90% of the Muslim population. And we would have thought and expected that the government would actually approach us to to get our views as well and to to try and solve whatever problem it is, uh, solve it together with us. Uh, but the way it has been communicated, the way it has been dealt has been, um, I would say, slightly disappointing. Dame Susan also finds it disheartening that while advice over how to work with the community has been given, it's not necessarily been taken up. What I would say is a really good suggestion is if we're going to invest, you know, I don't know, it's seven million into the SIS, then perhaps we invest not a similar amount, but invest into to the coalface to help these people, to help some of the disaffected youth, to put programs in place to monitor and help and support people that are feeling, you know, a little bit disaffected. While a supporter of consultation, AUT's Edwina Pio says there are times when action does need to be taken to safeguard New Zealand from any external threats. There is an urgency in the situation, but we can't forget our ethos of giving people a fair go. I don't think we can also forget the ethos that we are a very equitable society in comparison to many other societies. And when migrants grumble, I always tell them, do you think you'd be happier in your own home country? And in the research I've done repeatedly, people have said we feel safer here while we might grumble and moan. Uh, we know that we are much better off here than in our home country. Dr Ghani fears that if all sides don't work together, it may not be possible to keep relations on an even keel. And he hopes the friction that has emerged between the police and some Muslim communities in Australia doesn't spread here. When you go so aggressively and there's nothing to, to demonstrate, what does it show? And we certainly don't want to see that in this 
one of the most peaceful countries in the world. We want to make sure that we remain in that country which is innocent, peaceful, caring. I'm Philip Atolli and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send a tweet at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Gail Woods with technical production by Jeremy Veal.